Hi, HR Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the HR Leaders Podcast, the show where we explore the future of work with industry experts and HR executives from the world's leading global brands. Today, we're joined by our good friend, Matty Harari, Chief HR Officer at Strauss Coffee. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Chris. Good afternoon. I'm fine. And you? Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. Where, where are you uh, joining us from? Today. Well, I'm joining from Tel Aviv, although the background of my uh, <laughs> screen is the uh, uh, coffee flowering uh, from Mina Gerais in Brazil. Oh, wow. Know, we are, we are, this is how uh, um, coffee plantations look like when there's no frost. Today, this uh, <laughs> area is totally black, unfortunately, because of the uh, frost in Brazil a month ago. But uh, yeah, I'm calling from Tel Aviv. Wow. Have you been there before? Oh yeah, several times. Wow. Yes. It looks beautiful. It I is. Love to see it. How have you been? Just before we get into everything, how have you been personally? Um, we are doing fine. You know, it's um, both family and the business alike. Uh, uh, we are doing good, mm-hmm. and also the business is doing relatively okay. You know, people drink coffee. They still need every, their coffee every morning. <laughs> it never was there any dip or was there an increase like because i was thinking if now more people are at home they're less likely to go and buy coffee elsewhere was that so were people buying more coffee uh and and did, did that impact you just random question well people buy the same more or less but in different locations they uh all are away from home business which means uh coffee shops train stations hotels it went on March and April 2020 from 100 to zero, while the retail and online uh, went uh, up to the roof because people consumed much more at home. So all in all, it's the same balance, more or less. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, people cannot live. The world cannot exist without <laughs> coffee. Simple. Because I remember even in my home, like the coffee jar is not normally not full because i'll dra- grab a coffee at work and and so i was like oh we have no coffee <laughs> we, we have to we never have coffee at home because i always have it uh, on the move or in the office as well so i was like oh for the first time i kept having to buy coffee at home which was a mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. i started trying different coffees that i never had before so like, oh let me just experiment and try different different blends and i was like this is pretty cool <laughs> uh, as well what's top of mind for you you know the last it's nearly two years now right since the first lockdown it seems crazy actually that it's been almost two years what, what's been the biggest sort of challenge for you and the team throughout this whole time i know there's so many but <laughs> no the the um when the whole covid uh, pandemic started uh, we set two main goals for the company as a whole, and for Strauss Coffee in our uh, countries specifically, one, that uh, people first, meaning uh, we want our people to be safe and healthy, not just the people and also their families, because now it's totally connected. Maybe we'll talk about it later. And the second, not less important, is uh, business continuity because we need to bring uh, your coffee and other coffees uh, to the retail shelf or to people's home on a regular basis. This, so we cannot afford not to uh, supply our consumers. So these, uh, uh, these uh, two um, objectives were the 
most important stuff that we uh, dealt with and we still uh, deal with different extent, of course, mm-hmm. depending on the countries. Um, and not less important is how to make sure that the, the organ called company, you know, the people, the uh, production floor employees, the field force, the employees at the office, uh, everyone will continue to speak and to interact and to communicate and managers will continue to lead or leaders will continue to lead uh, in uh, different formats uh, during different time zones, but uh, still the business needs to run and people organ need to continue to to function. And this is basically what was and still uh, our main uh, challenge. How how did you manage to keep people safe whilst making sure that you can ensure business continuity and business as usual? I think it is part of uh, what Strauss uh, brand or value proposition stands for. We always uh, stated that we put people first before the pandemic. And the pandemic uh, was uh, an opportunity also to to show it uh, outside because um, we really invested a lot of resources in making sure that uh, people will be uh, safe. So all the precautious measures uh, on the production floor, all the um, facilities and equipment that employees needs in order to work um, uh, in the right way uh, from home. So we basically opened two offices. One was uh, in their offices and the other one we, uh, in, like, like many other companies, we didn't invent the wheel here. We, uh, um, uh, we allow people to purchase anything they need, almost anything they need uh, at home in order to be able to work um, and to function normally without uh, taking the uh, kids' uh, monitor or the uh, kids' uh, webcam yeah. and this and that, which was yeah. a common practice, invested in uh, internet and stuff like this. And above all, you know, because we this Zoom entered uh, into the uh, home of so many people, so suddenly uh, it was not just the relations between the company as employer and the employee. It was a relation between the company and the family because you always see on the screen behind, you see where the employee uh, lives, you see his family, you start to know the name of the kids. And we started also to invest in families in their well-being because I think well-being will be one of the big thing going forward. The family yeah. well-being, not just the employee well-being. Mm-hmm. How did the work that you did then or support transcend into their families? What did that look like from a practical point of view? Um, you know, from practical point of view, it's, um, there were um, families where the uh, second uh, family member um, were forced to go on leave without pay or uh, were fired or whatever. So we 
basically um, gave uh, grants to a lot of families in order to just to survive. At the beginning, we thought it was going to be a short period, but uh, as time passed by, we realized that it's, it is a long a journey, but we were committed to it. So we invested uh, financially in supporting uh, um, uh, families in need, supporting um, uh, children uh, activities. So the, the family will be able also to function when they were all uh, locked in between four uh, uh, walls and stuff like that. So, so amazing. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the Strauss is a um, highly innovative traditional company. You know, mm-hmm. we're not the Netflix and the, um, and the uh, other high-tech companies. We're traditional companies. So, um, yes, we are highly innovative. Yes, we use a lot of uh, high-tech uh, tools. But by the end of the day, the vast majority of our uh, workforce uh, are blue collar employees. Yeah. Okay. That live uh, above uh, the minimum wage. You know, it's in Strauss, there's a Strauss minimum wage. In every country where there's a minimum wage, we set a standard that we will never pay minimum wage. We have extra. Okay. Uh, even if it is not competitive and we can uh, uh, hire employees on the minimum wage, we, uh, minimum wage, we always pay above. And, uh, but this is, this is our workforce. This that's is that's what... part of, uh, whenever I speak to you, which always stands out to me, Matthew, and it's reflected in what you said, this is part of being a purpose-driven organization. Yeah. Right? This is aligned with your purpose and value. And value, mm-hmm. do you agree? Yeah, I do. You know, it's, uh, Strauss is a purpose-driven organization for uh, many years. I think it, is, it, it was shaped like this by the founders. And, um, you know, you do not wake up in the morning and ask yourself, okay, what, why I exist for? What is the purpose? You live by that. It's, so... Uh, it's, the devil is, of course, in the so many details. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is. Uh, it's part of our day-to-day life. It's a bit different between each country because you have a one big purpose for Strauss Group, which is nourishing a better tomorrow. This is our purpose. Um, so we, we look how we can. Um, it's so important for food company. Uh, to think about the future of everything, future of our employees, future of consumers, future of the planet, because everything we do comes from the planet. You know, coffee, the yogurt, we have a big uh, um, uh, dairy business in, in, uh, in Israel. We are number one homo santahini uh, uh, company in the US, Sabra. And it's all come from uh, the planet, okay? So, so nourishing better tomorrow is uh, our purpose. Now, it doesn't mean that every employee uh, wake up in the morning 
<laughs> and uh, ask himself, okay, in what way today I will uh, nourish a betting tomorrow? It doesn't work that way. But it is, uh, but at the company level, we always think what are the things that we do and in what way we can shape our business uh, processes and decision making uh, that it will reflect what we believe in. And there are many examples of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think is the role of HR in terms of developing and nurturing purpose and, and, and driving this in companies? Because it, it kind of falls to HR is what I'm trying to say, and by default in many companies. Yes, it's a bit tricky question <laughs> because, and I tell you why, because it shouldn't. It is the role of the um, the leaders of any organization, the uh, shareholders, the owners, the top management to to set the direction, you know, to decide this is our North Pole star and this is where we are heading to. But then when it comes to uh, uh, how you shape the organizational culture, it's the, the one who facilitated uh, uh, is the HR director locally or the HR organization at large, uh, because this is our uh, expertise. Okay, so to some extent, we are the cultural gatekeepers or we are the culture champions across the geographies. And you know, and when you take uh, the nourishing a better tomorrow, it most likely has different meaning in the UK in um, Poland and in Russia, okay? And uh, HR expertise is to take it and to translate it in a way, not translate it literally, but (laughs) translate it culturally that um, also the Russians and the Israelis and the um, Serbs uh, uh, will feel that they understand it and they're proud of it and they um, can do something with it, okay? Because otherwise, if it's just a slogan or a poster on the wall, it means nothing. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you, yeah, that was a very great way of answering it. <laughs> and I agree yeah. with you. It, sh- it shouldn't sit with HR, but it should be driven from the top. But HR does have a role, of course, in, in, uh, in, in uh, executing on it and communicating it throughout the organization. Um, yeah, yes. One of the big mistakes you see uh, quite often is that um, the HR uh, take the challenge, but then uh, decide to do it by themselves. And then the uh, purpose or vision or values or whatever uh, becomes the, the topic of, on the HR agenda rather on the management agenda. So the HR failed to bring the management team and the leaders on board, and it perceived as HR process. And this is the- You've already failed. Uh, this yeah. is already failed. <laughs> yeah, you already failed at that point. <laughs> That's right, correct. Yeah. What's been the biggest change to your operating model that you've had to make and you continue to make to succeed in this new normal this future of work we find ourselves in, et cetera. What are the biggest changes you're having to make to succeed? Um, 
we at Sforz Coffee, we were lucky because um, when the pandemic uh, started, we were already for uh, quite some time in operating model, which I call freedom within a framework, which I will explain in a minute. Um, and this operating model allowed us to uh, operate in this new situation where a lot of things and decision happen locally um, without the need of uh, strong, heavy, centralized headquarters that uh, manage uh, business processes. Strauss Coffee was established like this uh, 25 years ago, almost 30 years ago, um, when Eastern Europe was uh, at its very beginning development, still uh, the EU just, uh, uh, it was before even the EU was established and the uh, strategy uh, approach that we took, we called it the smoking chimney strategy. So in order to succeed in a country, you have to have a chimney, you have to have a factory oh, in, every right. okay. in every country because the local authorities used to protect the local producer in such a way that there was no way to bring coffee from the outside. So uh, we uh, grow the business uh, while developing local brands, local uh, businesses, to some extent, full-fledged local businesses with a relatively um, reasonable but not too heavy uh, uh, global infrastructure, okay? And this is what uh, we have today. We don't have a one single global brand. Okay, it's all local brands. Uh, and when you have a local brands and local facilities and the, some of the supply chain, not all, because there are some central supply chain um, uh, processes, of course, but when the big chunk of the business processes are local, um, you can allow the, and you have good talent and local teams, you can rely that they will continue to run the show um, without uh, being fully interacted on a daily basis with the uh, corporate level. And this is basically how we manage uh, to uh, continue operate. So it allows you to, uh, when, when you say freedom within a framework, is the freedom to make decisions locally within a framework, which allows you to move quickly, innovate, you know, and, and, and change, make change without having to go to head office and to run every single decision. Which... Yeah, that's correct. If you will ask me uh, to give you the elevator speech on what is Strauss Coffee uh, competitive edge from business and from people perspective, it will be this, the way we do business. The fact that you can decide, you know, um, local marketing director in Romania together with the supply chain who run the factory there and the CFO and the GM, they can decide on a, a new pack of their brand, run a prototype, test it in, um, I don't know, Constanza or Timisoara, or Bucharest, and it works, let's go for it. And they can do it in three weeks. 
Wow. At the Nestle and uh, Jacobs uh, JDE or Procter of the world, they hardly can do it because their decision-making is much more heavy, although they are bigger and uh, definitely with an amazing brands. But it's yeah. different. And that's quite unheard of in organizations like your own with all of the history uh, and, uh, you know, being around for it. Like, normally that's the biggest thing holding back companies as well but that seems to be grounding the dna of the organization which is fantastic yeah it is yeah sure what are you hearing from candidates now um you know uh, we spoke briefly about this um beforehand what are you hearing from both your 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 employees who are more senior in organizations about the way they're working and also for from new hires that are considering working at the organization what are the questions concerns that they have well, uh, it, it depends who you, whom you ask, of course. Um, and also with seniors, you see some of them that really would love to go back to the old days, knowing deep in their heart that this will never happen. <laughs> but they still um, try. <laughs> well, you have some who uh, capture the moment and realize that that's it. The world going to be to change big time from- With or without me. <laughs> yes, with a, a people in, in people and talent. Uh, with the young uh, talents, it's, it's no brainer. They are much faster than us in, um, capturing the scene in grabbing the opportunities and realizing that it is now their world. Okay, now, especially in Israel, but not only, uh, where you're starting to see the uh, war for talent, you know, there is a study done by McKinsey in um, 19, um, 19 or 18, I don't remember, just before the internet boom. And the name of the study was the war for talent. They uh, basically assessed at that time that the internet industry is going to explode and the pipeline of uh, talented graduates from university, from uh, high school, from wherever will never catch up. And they said, listen guys, it's going to be a big war for talent. It, it started like this, and then came the uh, internet boom, the, the uh, collapse of the internet boom in 2000. You see it now again. The, what pandemic did to the internet, and we see it, you know, Israel is the, is by large um, high-tech country. Big tech hub, yeah. Yes. So, so all the cybersecurity and internet and cloud base and this and that um, exploding, the, the uh, fears of the real estate uh, companies that uh, they will have extra office spaces in Tel Aviv uh, vanished. There's a, a shortage, big shortage 
of office space in Tel Aviv because of the number of, of uh, startups that um, uh, open every week. And you know, every startup at a certain point need a, a financial controller and need programmers and need this and that. And it takes the uh, remuneration levels to the, uh, to the sky. And you see it also in, in other countries in Europe. So the, uh, the big challenge we are facing today is um, to retain our talent in a, a non, in a non-traditional way. And uh, uh, not less important, to find the right way to attract talent to come to us. Okay? Mm-hmm. So um, beside continue to uh, um, watch the COVID and ensure the employees' uh, health and the business continuity, we are to a large extent uh, busy with uh, finding new ways of of, uh, retaining uh, top talent and attracting new uh, talent. Yeah. And I think with the it's it's interesting, right? Because we're no longer competing on location. We're no longer competing on fancy offices <laughs> uh, to 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 show employees. So would you say now it's now more important than ever to build a strong brand in the marketplace where you're talking about your values, your why, the purpose, and that being the at the core of what you're putting out there as an employee brand proposition. Yes, we're investing in, uh, we're now uh, redesigning or redefining our uh, employer value proposition based on the, uh, on the uh, company purpose. And uh, we uh, scratch again and again to find, to, um, how to say it, to um, explore more ways to connect between the purpose and the uh, business processes and things that we do. You know, I'll give a simple example. Um, You see the um, coffee plantation behind me. In the coffee industry, the weakest part is the farmer. And he's the most vulnerable part of the uh, value chain. And when you look into this, um, specific um, hills behind me. It is now, as I mentioned to you early in our discussion, it's now black because of the frost in Brazil. So there's no uh, coffee cherries next year in this plantation. And um, in, in a nutshell, this uh, um, farmer uh, will not have an income next year. Okay. So uh, what we do about it? Uh, can we um, uh, decrease our margin to some extent and buy uh, a bit, uh, a, a buy coffee that will be a bit more expensive, uh, um, sustainably sourced uh, from uh, farms that uh, will take the extra money and recover? And this is part of what we do. And the challenge that I'm facing is, okay, this is, this was a business decision driven from purpose, but how I will connect it uh, to, with the employees. 
I will make the employees proud of this, uh, um, of this activity and many other things. Yeah. Yes. But you're, you're absolutely right. It is the, the, uh, the new talent will come uh, to Strauss and to other companies only if they will feel this is, um, this is a place that to some extent um, express some of their, of their beliefs and things that they believe in. And, you know, uh, most of people want to do good. And they yeah. also want to see that the company is, uh, uh, is, doing, uh, is doing good. You know, by moving from uh, uh, shareholders driven PNL to stakeholders uh, uh, driven PNL, meaning that you don't think only about the EBIT by the end of, um, or net profit, let's put it this way. By the end of the year, it is important, but the question is what you do with it. And when you think about the beneficiaries, not just shareholders, but wide range of stakeholders, that means something. Yeah, and then kind of narrowing it down further with their teams to what the role of each individual in that employee, what is the work they do and how do they contribute to that purpose? That's correct. For sure, uh, that, that seems to be a missing link I see in companies is that you have the wider vision and the purpose, but making sure you communicate with those employees of how, what role they're playing in, in that and the contribution that they have to that. You're um, right. Well. Yeah, and this, is, and this is not easy. You know, no. I was, I was um, three years ago on the um, middle of nowhere in between, on the border between Uganda and Rwanda. Uh, we had a project, it's called More Than a Cup where we invest in uh, coffee farms or cooperatives owned by women. We did a study together with the Bloomberg and other uh, organizations uh, just to figure out that any, do any extra dollar that you put in the hand of woman farmer gain much more benefit for the family than if you take the same dollar and you give it to the man. The men just uh, take the 40% of the art out of it for the beer and the rest of 60, and the rest goes back to the farm. With uh, uh, female, it goes close to 90%. Really? So we, so we invest, we have 10 projects around the world, Latin America, um, Africa, and Asia, where we identify... Um, uh, coffee farms uh, owned by women. And we uh, create a project. It can be with uh, agronomical support or education or whatever, where the, hold a second. I will no worries. Turn it off. Where <laughs> okay. the, um, the uh, purpose is that after three years, the uh, yield per crop or per hectare will be 30% uh, more wow. or even higher. Now, um, so I was standing in this farm in the uh, middle of nowhere and the lady telling me, showing me, showing me uh, a poster 
of um, girls college in Kampala in Uganda, where her daughter, 12 years old, going to, to study, the first girl from this village. And she very openly said, listen, sir, it's only because of the project that we triple, not 30%, we tripled the yield of our uh, crop. I was, you know, for me, it was uh, the, the, uh, the purpose yeah. uh, in real. And um, now when I came back and I shared it uh, with, uh, you know, top management and employees, I, and, you know, it was a project that was already run for several years. And I was sure that it is, we did the right communication and we uh, shared it on a corporate website and this and that. And eventually it didn't hit the production floor. It didn't reach our employees. They didn't know about it, okay? And I failed that we did a great job with the coffee farm, with this family and the, the other families there, but we failed big time in um, basically taking it forward and connecting it to our employees. And this is part of what uh, we're trying now to avoid and to make sure that we're doing right. Yeah, I think this is where we're seeing this interesting um, intersection between HR and marketing starting to come closer together as more effective ways to communicate. So uh, to your story, I, I was speaking with Lindsay Bridges, who's the senior vice president of HR for DHL. And they were trying to tell some of the similar stories. And they were also having the same issues, reaching employees in their sorting facilities and filtering down. So what they ended up doing, and they're running it now, is launching their own podcast, where they have a weekly show. And they share it, not just internally, but on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, not traditional platforms. And they found that their facility workers were listening on, on you know, these YouTube, on their preferred platforms. So rather than trying to bring people to them, they actually took it the other way around. It was like, what, what are the devices or platforms that this generation or these people are listening on? And now they have people tuning in to the podcast and Lindsay interviews different leaders in the organization, news hires or shares those stories uh, with the organization. And it's kind of built this real community. And even some of the new hires, she, she inter interviewed someone recently um, and she was saying that they, they know about the show. So imagine you speak to a new, yeah. right, in an interview and they've listened and heard that story on YouTube mm -hmm. as well. So I'm seeing now HR teams hire videographers, hire different types of talent that you'd never typically see in the HR function to help with these direct and not externally in the function to, 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 to work on some of these um, brand initiatives as well. So that is an incredible story that everyone in your organization should know about. You're right. No, it's yeah. absolutely incredible. You said earlier though, that now every single person you hired, the number one question is, what is the work hour? I mean, is it, uh, what is the flexibility versus virtual in office? Is, is that, you think that's going to continue and just be, be the number one priority? 
I think this is the uh, this will be the new normal, the, um, especially in uh, oh well for office uh, for office employees, young office employees will never come back to the old days, and you hear it today that this is uh, in many countries question number one that they check when they assess the water if to uh, fill the form for the position or not, uh, pay will come second, okay? And I think it will stay like this. And um, you see more and more um, companies realizing that and uh, trying to find the right solution for it because it's not that simple. You need to find the right mechanism, how it should work for the, for the benefit of both company and uh, uh, employees. When you have a marketing team, you need to have um, the one day that they will sit together and will brainstorm together. You know, in, in Israel, it was uh, for several months, the uh, notion of the high-tech industry that we are bringing back our office space uh, from now on, we work from home. Because they heard that Microsoft and Netflix and uh, <laughs> yeah, Google yeah. and uh, whoever are going to do it in the Silicon Valley. It took them two, three months to realize that um, innovation comes from brainstorming. And brainstorming productive brainstorming come from diversity. And you need to have the different opinions, the different uh, uh, types of personalities in a room. There's a limit to what Zoom can do uh, for us in facilitating uh, creativity. And yeah. when you look for creativity, you, uh, to some extent, some of it you can do uh, via the Zoom, big chunk of it. Uh, you need uh, to sit around the table and play with whatever you play and find uh, different solutions. So uh, like many things in life, the uh, truth is somewhere in between. And um, uh, Strauss, like uh, I guess 95% of the companies worldwide doing the trial and errors to find the right balance two days a week, one day the team should be together, maybe three days a week, Tom, all this kind of stuff. And eventually in three, four or five years, it will settle down um, some version till the next uh, uh, chaos. <laughs> Well, look, one thing I'll say before you go, I, I think we've all realized there's no one size fits all <laughs> approach yes, sure. to this. It's about empowering our people, our, our leaders, our, our managers to have those conversations with their teams and figure out what works for them. Um, but I do agree. We do need some level of, you know, my team comes in once a week. We have that collaboration. And, you know, this Friday, we're going to go out for a um, or is it next Friday? One of the Fridays, <laughs> I think it's this the next Friday, we're going to have our team away day and try to make them more often where we go out, have fun. Yeah. And, and just, uh, non-work related, super important to keep those activities happening as well. Face-to-face -face sure. as well. But look, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. It's so it's nice to catch up with you. 
and uh, um, hopefully get to see you again soon um, as well. But good luck with everything. Keep up the incredible work. And hopefully I'll hear the Strauss Coffee podcast or the <laughs> or Strauss Coffee radio. I want to tune in, hear more of these incredible stories uh, as well. Share, definitely share them more, more of them on Matty on LinkedIn as well. You know, I'd love to hear more about these incred- the incredible work that's happening and the, the, the lives that you impact through the work. It's amazing. I will. Thank you very much, Chris. Have a wonderful day. No worries. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.